to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we're the Dave's, you know this is. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. episode 181 of the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, this is the, we were just, we spent about three minutes talking about the Super Bowl. We are not going to talk about the Super Bowl on the podcast, but we're here with the regular, the regular crew. Dan, how you doing? Rocking out. Looking forward to a uh, long weekend. So it's only Monday, but you gotta, you gotta have your eyes on the prize boys. That's right. That's right. Uh, my wife works for a bank, so she gets, normally she would get Monday off, but um, her, she, what she does for for the bank that she works for they occasionally have to work the holidays because they're they work call center stuff so she's actually working on monday so she's taking friday off and we are actually going to be uh trying to potty train my uh just over two-year-old this weekend there's a you can try to do basically an intense three-day potty training regimen and basically it's either going to stick and he's going to be potty trained after this weekend uh or at least you know during the day right probably not overnight or he's not going to be potty trained. And then we're going to have to wait till August till after the new kid comes because um, trying to have a, a new baby and potty train a two and a half year old is not going to go well, I would imagine. So it's either now or August. So I'm really hoping he uh, figures it out. He's really intrigued by, by the potty. So I don't know. I'm intrigued by the potty. I like, you know, I like the potty. So uh, MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Speaking of important competitions, this, past Sunday, uh, Drunken Fish went uh, against Legion of Broom and, and won 8 nothing. Well done. Yeah. I'm guessing you guys aren't sponsored by the restaurant Soberfish then. Uh, we were until this year. Um, I didn't want to put on any restaurant or bar that was suffering uh, to give out money for sporting competitions this, this season. So none of my teams are sponsored this year, but uh, uh, we had been for the past four years sponsored by Silverfish. Ah, awesome! Yeah, very cool, very cool. And they've been very good to us. We will probably hold the end of the year uh, award ceremony uh, there. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we lost the best team in the league come back uh, last week. So this week, bounce back, win eight nothing. I get a goal, uh, which is hilarious because the ref called it off, and the female goaltender for their team said it crossed the line. <laughs> The ref changed his decision, which you never see in any other sport. So I'm I'm a goalie. I would never say the ball crossed the line ever, ever. <laughs> so what we just found out is that uh, MJ's opponent is a better better person than uh, Zeller is. Yeah, I mean, there's m- many people in this world are much much better than I am. <laughs> so I think that is that goes without saying. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, MJ. More importantly, Kelly Hoyt, who I know david knows i do yeah. celebrate her birthday on sunday and she got a, a very pretty well passing maybe went through all of our our rooms that's thing. excellent uh very got cool. birthday goal so happy birthday to kelly white yeah those are the best kind of goals when everybody like touches the ball so yeah yeah um cool well congratulations on that big win that was the only the only win that happened this weekend no other wins happened this weekend so we're not going to talk about 
Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Euro- European soccer at all? Uh, no, we're not going to talk about European, at least men's European soccer. No, no, no talking about that. So um, we always obviously guys, Patreon, just throw it, throw it up there. Dave's I know or patreon.com slash Dave's I know. Uh, Christian and I were supposed to chat on Sunday after uh, a match that we're not going to talk about. Um, but uh, we were both very pissed off after the match. So we decided to postpone that and do it some other time. So hopefully we don't be announcing what the first beer for the Dave's NL Patreon will look like this year. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, we're really excited about it. I think Christian and I have and in conjunction with MJ and, and Dan, I come with, with some good ideas. We seem to really narrow it down to one and then we'll be able to announce that and uh, figure out to let everybody know sort of what the Patreon program will look like this year as well. So keep your, keep your eyes peeled to Patreon com slash it is and we're also going to hopefully get um another an actual official rankings of the big leagues podcast um we have been there's been some back and forth with me and the uh, the uh minnesota football show boys to sort of figure out how we want to do it to try and keep it tight but also like have a little bit of fun with it so uh, hopefully we'll be recording that here in the next few weeks and probably before the mls season kicks off which we'll talk about in a little bit so all right, let's jump in and let's talk about some United news. Uh, there was a little bit of news for Minnesota United and Minnesota United-related players. The big one, uh, Minnesota resigned, re-signed four of their players. Uh, Ja'Cory Hayes, uh, Zendejas, the goalkeeper, um, were re-signed. Uh, Callum Montgomery, the player that we traded for from FC Dallas, restructured his contract. I don't think he was actually officially a re-signing, but basically we moved him off of the... We, we talked very, very briefly about this on the podcast last week. So he's not a senior, um, senior spot as well anymore. He was a senior spot in, on the FC Dallas roster. He's not anymore, which frees up a spot for us to sign a, another senior team player, potentially a, hopefully a DP striker. He, he who should not be named also resigned uh, contract. So uh, do you guys have any quick thoughts on those four guys? Other than, I mean, I, Jacory Hayes is, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Zendayas, I think it's going to be, you know, will be a decent um, second string keeper and pretty much means that probably Tyler Miller is on the market, I would guess. Otherwise, do you guys have any other thoughts on any anybody else? I really like the Ja'Cory Hayes signing. I think this means that uh, it's also been announced that Marlon Harrison is, is not going to be re-signed. I, I'm bummed about that because I liked a lot what I saw from him in central midfield. Just his soccer IQ growing by leaps and bounds in the central midfield where he hadn't really played that position before, but certainly both from a, a ceiling and potential standpoint, Ja'Cory Hayes has a lot more to offer. Right. Dan? Yeah, I think I was a little bummed to see Harrison get let go as well. I think it speaks to the fact that the team liked him fine, but didn't see necessarily the reason to, to uh, that would preclude them from, taking another gamble on somebody else and maybe striking some gold. And I don't hate it from that perspective. Like, I think, I think Harrison would have been a decent signing. I think he would have fit with the team, but I think too, that he would have, I think there is plenty of player, plenty, a plenty big chance that uh, other players could surpass him. So I'd like to leave the spot open for that. Hayes is obviously the, uh, the prize pick of this bunch, uh, but restructuring Montgomery's deal, and I know I won't belabor this because we talked about it last week, I think it's just a sneaky good deal. It's one of those things yeah. that other other leagues don't necessarily have to worry about, but with the MLS rules being what they are, just doing those little roster machinations 
is often what can separate a good team from a great team because now you've got that slot open. And now you're not trying to close a deal with another player trying to uh, figure out their visa, trying to do all of these things, and then realizing, oh, crap, we have to clear a senior spot. And then having to go through that as well. So it's this small move, but it's just one of those things that shows that this team is really moving forward in terms of doing the little things that make the big things possible. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was also on the senior roster for FC Dallas last year, but he played, I believe, at San Antonio. Or was it North Texas? He played with, I think it was, I think it was San Antonio, actually. It was San Antonio because he played with DSC. With, yeah, Dane St. Clair. And uh, yeah, and then, um, uh, so yeah, so there's very, very much possibility that he goes back out on loan again for another year. He is young. I think he's only 20 years old. So I'm not sure why he was, like, why he had to be on the senior roster for FC Dallas. Either way, getting him off the, the senior roster, you know, obviously frees up space and frees up flexibility for Amos and Mark Watson and, and Adrian to do what they what they can do. So I think um, it's it's worth yeah. knowing that like Dallas didn't use all of their senior roster spots for most right. of last year. They don't. Like, that's the other thing. They, <laughs> they, they just don't. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. They're they're pretty notorious for that as well. So so it could just be that they were like, oh, he's got a senior roster spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, between right. the injuries and selling players off midseason and. The amount of academy teams, academy players that came in, yeah. like also, it may just not have mattered. So they didn't. Yeah, really considering they they spend almost nothing on their senior roster, anyways. Like they spend, you know, FC Dallas is like one one extreme in terms of uh, investing in your academy. Minnesota United being another extreme of what you do with your 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 academy. So um, that's that makes that makes sense. So uh, a couple, <laughs> we're going to talk about the um, talk about that senior roster spot. Uh, Minnesota is in talks. Apparently they made a bid for a, a, a league own striker. We'll talk about that in a sec. I just wanted to point out, uh, I just threw these into the document very just in the last like 10 minutes, guys. So I apologize, but um, Minnesota United posted uh, some black history month facts on their, their news websites or on the website in the, in the news section. Uh, it, it literally says some lesser known facts for black history month straight from the team's website. Number nine is, did you guys know that Barack Obama was the first black person elected president in 2008? What? Yeah. That's a lesser known fact from, for black history month, according to Minnesota United. And then they have a, a post uh, on their website as well. Um, talking about black history, in Minnesota. I just, I think both of these are, I, I understand. I get the, I get the reasoning behind it. And I understand that they're trying to, um, you know, honor black history month and, and do something productive and all that titling it some lesser known facts for black history month and literally putting that Barack Obama was the first elected black, first black person elected president is just really fucking insulting. And their, their black history in Minnesota post is also uh, for me. I mean, I, I'm not a black person, so whatever. I think it's equally insulting in that they basically just like copied from like a Wikipedia page and didn't even and neglected to mention anything about Rondo and the history of Rondo, which is literally in, in the backyard of Allianz field and 94 and all that. So they, I just, it, this team continues to astound me. And I've listened to the, the 55 one podcast with Dr. Bill McGuire. I know Bill, or I know Wes asked a little bit about the black lives matter movement from last year. And, and basically the, the team sort of lack of response. And I, from my understanding is Bill McGuire gave Dr. McGuire gave a, uh, a statement to the basis. Of, oh, we're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you guys aren't seeing, which is kind of a bullshit cop out statement. And considering as someone who works with, you know, as part of the SGs, you know, reached out to the team saying, Hey, why the fuck are you not doing more? And then we got a very tepid response from the team that, um, 
it's just really it's just really frustrating and then you see posts like this on their website and i don't know i don't have any other words other than just really disappointed in this team specifically related to this issue um as well as uh, you know other things they're playing the field has been great of course the last couple of years but like their stuff that they're doing in the community is way 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 less than stellar so i don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that otherwise we can talk about the uh the french kid they changed the post name so you must have just oh, gotten early draft. That's that's good. That's I mean it's just, it's it's not much, but it's something. Yeah. It no longer says lesser known facts. No, they're just Black History Month facts. Okay, good. Oh, and, and I think and, it's I think if you go to the mnufc.com slash news, it, I think it still says some lesser known Black History Month facts. If you click like that, that thing does like the I think the hyperlink doesn't hasn't changed. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Either way, it's it's just not it's not great. So all right. So, yeah, sorry. I didn't want to belabor that. Oh, yeah. If you go to the mnufc.com slash news, it just says some lesser known facts for Black History Month from February 2nd, 2021. So, all right. Let's not belabor the point. Fuck it. Whatever. Uh, let's talk about. We know they're bad at communication. They're bad at marketing and they're not great at community outreach, at least in the community outreach to marginalized groups or oppressed minorities. They're not good at this. Yeah, we've established that a bunch of times. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's just, it's just continues to be frustrating, especially with everything that's happened over the course of the last couple of years. So, anyways, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about other marginalized people, French people. Um, and uh, so apparently, we made a bid for a, uh, a Stade Rene striker, uh, Adrian Hanou. Um, I don't know what's that. Rene. Oh, Rene. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Got to realize you are a little more. Yeah. Rene, yes, sorry, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> this is a. I'll let you guys. I, I know you. I know uh, MJ. You and Dan had had put some stuff in here. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about this kid and, and um, what uh, what he might bring to Minnesota? Yeah, uh, he's an interesting player. Um, sorry, I suspect, Dan. <laughs> Go ahead. I suspect we'll uh, we'll hear a lot more, not necessarily about him. Uh, but I suspect we'll hear quite a bit more about French players potentially coming to MLS, uh, but just a bit of an exodus from France. Uh, France was hit hard by the pandemic. Uh, it really, really messed up the end of last season for Ligue 1, which then in turn basically destroyed what leverage they had for a new TV deal. Uh, France has been a, a top-heavy league uh, for the last, yeah, I don't know. When did F- uh, PSG get bought? five six years ago at this point it's been yeah it's been probably about six five or six years um i think was it leon was the last one to win it right before uh, psu was bought by qatar or whatever so yeah. i would have said monaco but yeah it may uh, be monaco but yeah it was leon or monaco it's one of those two, one of those teams so a, a league that used to be you know top four or five good teams uh has really become psg and friends and it turns out that's not a great model for getting good TV money and uh, their most recent deal that they thought was going to go through didn't. So a lot of clubs are in really, really bad shape. So what I suspect we'll start to see is some of these second tier players from mid table clubs who the club would like to keep around. Maybe would like to try to have a chance to develop won't stick around. They'll go yeah. somewhere where they can either get assured starting minutes or they can get a guaranteed salary. And I think Hanu is exactly that type of player. So uh, he's 27 year old, 27 years old now. Uh, he was a France youth international playing for the U-17s up to the U-20s. 
uh, before kind of losing out in the squad. Uh, currently exploring a one-time switch to Poland. So you may start to see him in the international picture, although I am given to believe Poland has a decent starting striker. <laughs> he scored a couple goals today, so whatever. can't remember. Lou, Lou something. Uh, lieutenant? lieutenant. Yeah. Do they have a lieutenant on the squad? Uh, um, so Lebowski. That's, what, that's what it is. Levin Lebowski. something. Yeah. Levin. Uh, or is it 12? Is it 12? 11? Yeah. <laughs> 12? Anyway, he's not starting for Poland, even if he does make the one-time switch. Um, I got to tell you guys, I have been in and out of about a half dozen stat sites. I've watched a bunch of film on him, and I cannot figure out the profile of this player for the life of me. It is driving me absolutely up a wall. So right now he leads Ren in expected goals and goals per 90. Uh, he's tied for the team lead in goals with four. Uh, one of the players he's tied with is a defender, so they pretty clearly score off of set pieces with some frequency. Uh, I don't believe one of their center backs is marauding up the field, you know, like shooting from outside the box or anything. Not pulling, not pulling Michael Boxels against uh, San Jose? No, I don't think so, but I, maybe I should go back and just watch Ren highlights more more uh, frequently. Yeah. Uh, but he's he started five games this season and has played less than 550 minutes total. He is not getting consistent playing time at all. But when he does see the field, he has a tendency to score. Uh, he has of his five starts, he's only scored in one of those games. Uh, but he scores off the bench just all the time. Uh, he's got a 50% shot on target rate, which is really high. Uh, the highest team mark in the league is PSG. That's unsurprising. It's about 40%. So he's he's notably higher than that. All of his goals, save one, have come from inside the penalty area. Or, uh, sorry, inside the six. Not just the penalty area, but inside the six. Okay. Um, what he seems to be doing to score is making a lot of willing runs. He scores off of rebounds. He scores off of balls off the post. Um, in that way, it sort of reminds me of Robin Lute, a, a player who sort of drifts in where the defense collapses in and then makes the good run when he sees where the ball is going. So I don't want to say he's necessarily a poacher, but if you score three fourths of your goal from inside the box and none of them are headers, you're probably a poacher. Uh, <laughs> right. There's not, a, not a, a guy like that. We could, we could, yeah. we, we have one. His name is Robin Lude. Uh, he holds up the ball really well. He plays a ton of layoffs. Uh, his passing accuracy rate is upwards of 80% over short distances, but of his passes this year, of all of them, he's completed almost 200. Only seven are considered progressive passes. So this is a player who's probably going to be back to goal, who, who's going to lay off the ball to a shooter and then sort of make that second run to see if they can clean up the mess. Um, you, know who, you know who fucking loves that kind of player? Adrian Heath. Adrian Heath. So. Well, I mean, that's, he is definitely an Adrian Heath type player. He also reminds me of when Mason Toy got on that really hot scoring run two seasons ago, we saw him doing a lot of those things, making those second runs, taking balls right off the keeper's hands, that kind of thing. So that's probably the closest comparison I can give. Um, I don't like this player. And I, I think it's because the profile doesn't work for me. I can't quite figure out how he wants to play. Because for a back-to-goal striker, you would think that he would have assists or a ton of key passes at least, and he doesn't. So he's a guy who plays a ton of short passes 
but still derives most of his value from being the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net. So it's just, it's a really weird tweener profile, but that said his value on transfer marks would make him the second most valuable loon behind Reynoso. So there's clearly something here that's not showing up on the score sheet. And that is what is driving me absolutely batty because like, this is weird. This is a weird player. And it would not at all surprise me to see him not necessarily struggle to fit in, but really fade in and out of games because where we saw Minnesota United really get on the front foot and take over was a much more direct style was Reynoso to Molino uh, where, where Reynoso was dribbling, taking up a ton of space. We saw, we seen Grey Goosh uh, push up that space and that type of a, that type of attack doesn't, work super well with a back to goal striker right. you need someone yeah. who's going to make a, a parallel or incisive run so i'm i'm very just this is just weird to me i just don't see how this player fits <laughs> um more power to him i hope i i hope he makes the one-time switch so he can play some international football i he may even be super talented i mean he's clearly made it for a, a solid mid to high table french squad but God, this dude's just super weird. <laughs> it, it really does. I mean, it's like, it makes no sense and simultaneously makes perfect sense, right? Like it makes no sense in, ter- in terms of the, ty- the the type of team that we were, that when we were good and we were playing well at the, towards the end of last year, we made made our run. It's like totally antithetic and antithetical to that team. But it's also, this is the exact type of player that Adrian Heath has been trying to jam into that striker spot for <laughs> Minnesota for four fucking years. So would not surprise me at all. So Ren is um, currently sitting in fifth place in Ligue 1. And to, to, I mean, Dan, you kind of alluded to this at the beginning. They're, yeah, they're, they, Ligue 1 just got totally fucked by their, their TV contracts, mostly because they also like abandoned their season last year, which uh, didn't help at the, at once COVID and everything um, came through um came through you know just wrecked everything the uh you know eric silver Benjamin actually asked another question and i don't who, like what other like you know what other players from league and would you know would minnesota united be looking at um i don't know enough about league to to dive into that question uh this week i could maybe we could maybe spend a little time on transfer mark or you know a couple other um mj you if you have a question you know if you have a, a thought here a second just give me one second here um, the other, I, I pointed out to Eric when he asked that question, I was like, um, you know, the, the other league that's going to get is currently starting to get kind of fucked by their TV contracts is uh, La Liga. La Liga is having the same problems with their Chinese TV contract and with BN. Um, doesn't sound like BN is going to be uh, re-upping their deal for the next, which I think is this year. Um, so La Liga might be in another uh, league, not this year, but next year that might you know, MLS teams, if they're willing to spend some money, might be able to raid. And I was just actually watching Atletico Madrid uh, this afternoon. And uh, uh, our my good friend Luis Suarez has scored, he scored 17 goals on 22 shots on target, which is just fucking insane. So yeah, that's batshit crazy good. <laughs> um, you know, I, you, you could see, I'm just, I'm just alluding that we could maybe see Luis Suarez in, in at Inter Miami in like a year or two. So Anyways, MJ, do you have a do you have the uh, French French players? Minnesota has actually you know done a really good job uh, scouring the the French league, so it wouldn't surprise me. They clearly they've looked at this kid for a while. So um, who else would uh, would Minnesota be looking at potentially for? Minnesota wouldn't be looking at this person, but you know for but 
MJ and on, and MJ will, will, will would look at this person because this person's a striker and they're Korean. And when I think of strikers from French teams that would work well with what Minnesota United has, maybe not what Adrian Heath wants, but who we already have, the spots they play, and the style at which we seem to score goals, Huangi Joe would be great. He loves progressive passing. He loves like passing and moving and rotating all over the place in the same kind of way that we saw Adrian Heath finally put the best four attacking players forward, even though we didn't have a, a set striker and the way that they were in, able to interchange and, and score goals and confuse defenses. Huangi Joe would be great at that. Um, the weird thing about it is Huangi Joe has, has fallen to 2.5 million euros on transfer market as far as value. And, uh, Adrian Huno is at 6 million euros. So we're clearly willing to spend more money in transfer market value. I don't know how that works into real euros or real US dollars, but twice as much for uh, uh, Adrian Huno than for uh, Huang Hijo. Would, 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 uh, would Huang come to MLS after Huang Yibong in Vancouver did not have such a great time here. I don't know, but the the Korean bias in me says I would love to see that guy come to MLS and come to Minnesota. You know, I'd yeah. love to spend spend a little more time with this next week so we can all prep for it a little bit more. Uh, but what makes Huang Hujo a potentially good fit is he is the type of player that League Un actually doesn't have a ton of, which is a player that's just a touch past their prime. If you think 27 being about the, the age that most professional athletes hit about their prime, and that's horrifically generalizing, but yeah. that's, that's about right. So he's what? 27. Oh, he is just 27. I was thinking he was closer yeah. to 29. League on as a whole splits quite a bit. You tend to see, particularly this season, we're seeing players 18, 19, 20, really play really well um jonathan david uh who has tormented the u.s already uh for the canadian national team is playing really well for leal uh he's 21 uh uh leal's leading scorer is barack ilmaz uh, who's played for tunisia in a couple of world cups uh he's 35 and about to turn 36 and we see that pretty consistently that, that these teams have youngish players 21 to 23 let's say or even 18 to 23 and then some really really senior level talent i mean you think about psg last year and they've got killian mbappe they've got neymar and then they've got angel di maria who is no one's definition of a spring chicken <laughs> right and right. and the thing is is that makes it really hard for a club like minnesota united to find a player that they want to pay three, four, five million for, because even if the, the league is in dire financial straits, they're not selling their 21, 22 year old players for that cost. And Minnesota United shouldn't be pushing to acquire a player who's 34, 35, 36. And so there's kind of that hollowed out middle where the good players have gotten transferred out of the league. Um, and the older players who are there are probably going to retire there. And it just makes it a hard match for MLS. So I think we should take some time, uh, come back next week, have some, some potential names, but honestly, La Liga may be a better uh, 
better fit for MLS just because there is a little bit more uh, age variety. You don't have the yeah, hollowed out yeah. middle. Say variety there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wait, are you saying that Star uh, uh 18 year old Belgian, uh, Jeremy Doku, uh, he, he wouldn't be uh, coming to Minnesota anytime soon? It, look, if the price is right, they might get him. I, I just, yeah. if teams are trying to make a bunch of money, and there are a, are several really good French academy sides doing kind of the Dortmund thing, or hell, the FC Dallas thing, where they're they're taking really good young talent and, and polishing them into players they can sell. I mean, that's been the Monaco model for you know a generation, basically. Uh, if you look at Monaco's all-time best 11, it's pretty damn close to the world best 11. I mean, you're talking about players like Thierry Henry and uh, Cesc Fabregas and so many of these other players, but most of them played when they were like 15, 16, 17. So that's clearly like how Monaco has made their, mm-hmm. their thing. Also, I got to throw this out there. It's not a guttural R because Ren is in Brittany. So it's pronounced almost closer to the English pronunciation than even a traditional <laughs> French pronunciation. You're, oh. you're saying my research is wrong and I can't stand that. I'm just saying the French, French is super weird and super regional. All right, there you go, MJ. You're you are you're schooled in uh, French uh, pronunciation. My pronunciation is, is is shit, is what they're saying. <laughs> I didn't say that. Wait, let's let's take a quick break. Um, we went actually a lot longer on the United News than I thought we would, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll discuss the uh, the CBA. CBA was ratified, so. Well, actually, Woo-hoo. we'll be playing soccer uh, here in a couple months. So take a break. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to. But we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, and we're back, and I'm going to be jumping on. Uh, football manager, which I, I bought at the big, very, very beginning of the pandemic, played for like an hour and then <laughs> haven't picked up again since then. So uh, to figure out who these uh, French strikers that we're going to be picking up next year. So and Dan, I know you had you had something you wanted to add. Yeah. So if you're on FM and you're looking for the aforementioned Barack Ilmaz, uh I said he was Tunisian and he's Turkish. I completely forgot my nationality flags. So that's my mistake. <laughs> so he's, he's Turkish. So if you're looking for him, look under Turkey. Okay. There if, you go. if you know the flags of Turkey and Tunisia, they are very similar. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, so we were going to discuss the the CBA. So we, we spent a lot of time on this in the last few weeks. Um, both Dan and I have rattled off lots of opinions and, and facts and things like that. It was officially so when we last left the, the the podcast last week, they were in the middle of their one week uh, extension, and then as they got to Thursday, they had a twenty four hour extension. So clearly, it seemed like the players were close. The players and the owners were close to an agreement. They extended for twenty four hours after twenty four, like about three hours before that extension was going to be up. Again, these are all made up made up extensions and made up deadlines by the MLS owners uh, vis-a-vis them uh, invoking the force majeure. The players agreed the the players executive council, which is basically, I think it's like there's like a seven or eight member board. And then there's one, one member, one union rep for each team that votes on this, on the, um, on the agreement. And then it goes to the full uh, players. Apparently it was, it was like 24, 
24-11 or 34-11. I know 11 people on the executive board did voted against the the proposed contract, uh, the proposed CBA, um, and it passed the the board, which meant it went to the players. Uh, the players ratified it. The union does not release the actual vote counts um, for you know reasons. And so in the in the board of governors, the MLS owners basically also voted to ratify. So we have a CBA. If you don't subscribe to the athletic, I would highly suggest doing it. Not only do you get to read Jeff Reuter's amazing articles, but you get Sam Stasekel and Paul Tenorio, who are two of probably the best uh, with along with Jeff Carlisle, probably, you know, two of the best MLS writers there there is in the in the country. You know, they've gone through they spent a lot of time uh, in their articles as well as in their podcast talking about it but basically um here's the 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 quick breakdown and then we can talk about about what this means for the players for the owners for the league Uh, and most players get their full salaries and bonuses for 2021 they took a uh, a pay cut last year as well as they like severely limited the bonuses they got so they got full salaries and bonuses back again for 2021 uh the big thing the owners get is they get two uh, two additional years uh through of, of extension of the current CBA. So they renegotiated the CBA back in June to play again in the bubble. Uh, they extended the CBA by a year at that point. And now they've extended through 2027. So basically this uh, deal gets the owners three additional years of the CBA. So seven year CBA, as opposed to the four years when it was originally agreed to last February. Uh, this means that they, the players and the teams and the leagues can start on time. However, because a lot of league business was held back during the CBA negotiations. There's people that have been talking about this. It's probably going to push the start dates back by a couple of weeks or so, which would make a lot of sense. It was confirmed. My prediction from last week is wrong. Right. <laughs> um, the uh, It was confirmed by the league that the U22 player initiative uh, is confirmed. So that, that young money DP slot will be a thing, which, you know, is relevant for Minnesota United. Uh, so with Thomas Chacon, so, you know, there's that the money stuff in terms of how much money is being actually going to be spent in, uh, in terms of roster development, things like that. The major league soccer put out a, a post. You can find it. If you just go to the major league soccer website, they have all the propaganda there that you need to see. Um, and then the revenue sharing is a thing that is important. Uh, however, I don't think it's going to be actually too much of a, of an issue in the CBA, basically anything over a hundred million dollars in their TV revenue, um, in the new contract, and it would start in 2023. Uh, they only the, the players only get 12 and a half percent of that. That goes in back into player budgets, and that jumps up to 25 percent starting in 2025. That's a decrease uh, from 25 percent starting in 2022, which was the original CBA that was negotiated back in February. Again. I don't think this is going to be an issue because I don't think, I think the owners are, are worried that they're not going to be able to get a, a lot of money for the CBA or for the TV contract in 2022. This will only really go into effect after the 2026 TV contract. So that's not going to be a big issue. And then the biggest sort of the other big uh, concession the players got from the owners was free agency, free agency changes in 2026. So currently it's 24, years old and five years in the league before you can reach free agency. You need both of those things And starting in 2026 will be 24 years old and four years uh, in the league to hit free agency. And then there's also a little bit of um, more money that free agents could get 
relative to the current CBA. So the issue that we saw with Kevin Molina, where Minnesota could only offer him like six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, whatever that actual that money actually will be slightly increased um, at at the end of the the current CBA. So force majeure is still in the contract and it can be triggered again, but not until December. So not until after the year is over, which, you know, of of course they're going to keep that in. And then basically the schedule is going to be finalized in the next few weeks. So yeah, guys, MJ, do you have any specific thoughts? I know you had mentioned in our text thread that you want to, and I know Dan and I've talked a lot about this, so I'll give you the Florida to start out here. Yeah. This isn't a a big deal, but the fact that on Twitter, uh, not just the USL's player association, but players association from the NFL, the WNBA, the NBA, Major League Baseball, all came out in support of the MLS Players Association and their fight was a big deal. Yeah, it's the kind of solidarity I wish we'd see from unions more often. And I hope it pretends good things. I hope because uh, this is not the only labor situation that's going to be resulting from COVID. Uh, MLB is not in a CBA negotiation year, but they will be after this season. I'm sorry, MLB, did I say NBA? Um, yeah. And yeah, they are going to need player solidarity because that negotiation is going to be far uglier. It will make... it will <laughs> Knock make, down, drag out. <laughs> it will make this look like a kindergarten slap fight. Yeah. I, I guess the big thing too, so um, there, there's a really great article on at The Athletic that... Um, Sam Stasco and Paul Tenorio wrote, and it has it actually has a couple of graphics in it. And I threw those into our document, which is obviously, you know, not a, uh, a visual medium, but just, just basically shows how much uh, less money the players are making on this deal. And, you know, it's, the numbers are significant in some ways and so insignificant in other ways that again, it just, it boggles my mind that the, that the owners decided to, invoke force majeure and just basically, you know, say fuck you to the players as much as they did. And I think their, their big thing is that or their calculations are that in 2027, most of the players in this league are not going to be here anymore. So they're not going to have the same, uh, they're not going to have the same lingering resentment that the players who are currently, who are currently negotiating that CBA, you know, will, um, and, you know, that's, that's sort of the same thing with any sort of labor negotiation is that especially maybe, maybe baseball being the one big exception um, where players will have significantly long careers and, and Tom Brady notwithstanding, most players in those sports probably go through one CBA and then they're out of the league, right? In, in the NFL and, and NHL. The NHL is probably a little different. NBA's, NBA is different. NBA, there's obviously a lot more longevity, especially with all the advancements that have been made and, and people learning like, Hey, don't smoke cigarettes and drink booze after your games. <laughs> it was fine um, for Michael Jordan. Right. It should be yeah. fine for me. Damn it. Um, so it clearly there's, you know, players are, are lasting longer than these, but lay in the NFL and MLS, you know, the, the young players are not, the young players don't want to stick around in MLS, right. Cause it's not the best league in the world. They want to go to Europe um, to play, you know, to play or, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, Mexican American kids will, will want to go to Mexico or, or, or the South America to play, to try the, to apply their trade because those are the best leagues in the world, not MLS versus, you know, the NBA, NHL, um, MLB. That's, those are the best leagues in the world here. And what, you know, the, the Kate, the Korean league and the, the Japanese league baseball, notwithstanding, um, and those are very close in terms of like, or they're relatively close, much closer than MLS is to 
the European leagues in terms of like quality and ability for uh, their, their people to play pay players. It's there's just so the union has such little leverage when it comes to this sort of stuff. And they, the union had done a really good job of getting concessions from the player, from the owners back in February that it was just completely shot and completely um, had to be thrown away because of COVID is just a really, Oh, it's just a really fucked up situation. Yeah, I. It, this deal is immensely frustrating because it doesn't feel like it needed to happen. It really feels like the owners threw away a lot of goodwill here. And I mean, at the end of the day, what's goodwill worth? But yeah, it's it's really frustrating. I think I think uh, Stasekul and, and Tadorio said it best in their article when they basically said the concessions the players got were were good. They were things that were worth fighting for and they materially will improve the quality of life for players in the league for the life of the CBA. So for the next six years, they just didn't add up to what they were forced to take by the owners. Um, Last week, we talked quite a bit about player leverage and how if the union were dissolved, that all of these players would be free agents. I think one thing that I didn't factor into the calculation was how desirable most of these players are. So you look at Minnesota United, Robin Lude gets an offer probably back in Finland. Jan Gregush definitely gets an offer probably from a Europa League level club. Uh, Reynoso, if he doesn't get an offer in South America, damn sure gets an offer from somewhere in Europe. And then the list drops off pretty dramatically. Uh, Does someone like a Hassani Dotson get one? Does Will Trapp? at 28 full us international so we the visa stuff is fine but yeah and i feel like that's pretty true across most of these teams that you have probably have you know five six seven players who can get an offer somewhere else and then everyone else is pretty sol and i think that's what this came down to i think at the end of the day the owners did have more leverage than perhaps we thought they did because the rank and file mls player still needs this league I don't know if they mentioned in the podcast or the article, the most recent podcast, literally that just dropped this afternoon. That I listened to right before we started recording. Uh, I believe they were like, "Yeah, like the 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 median player in MLS makes like one hundred eighty thousand uh, dollars," which is you know, especially depending on where you live. If you live in New York or Miami, that's you know, that's not a ton of money, right? Like you know, if you're making one hundred eighty thousand dollars, you live in Minnesota, that you're doing you're doing all right, you're doing good. But if you are living, you know. If you are playing for New York City FC, you're live, trying to live in New York City, or you're you know you live in Miami or whatever. San Jose, you know it's yeah San Jose right out on the bay. Like it's, that's not it's not as it's just there's um the the variance is just so big in in this league and uh and yeah I think you know ultimately I I was really hoping the players would stand their ground at least in preventing that second additional that you know that year to go through 2027 now basically the the cba will be renegotiated after two tv contracts and about 18 months after the 2026 world cup so the players will have significantly less leverage now ideally things go really good you know maybe they don't maybe the mls doesn't make as much in their tv money in 2022 but after the 2026 world cup Maybe they get a big, there's a big spike in interest in MLS and they, they're able to make a, a bunch more money and the players can, um, you know, win back some of the stuff that they gave up this time. But they're basically, they had, they went, you know, they took 
uh, a step forward in February and then have basically since then have taken three steps, three steps back. And that's because of the, the MLS owners, which is really frustrating. And again, you know, we talked about, I think Dan, maybe you mentioned it last week, the owners just, they just, and I just think they don't care. Like they're, they just, there's so many, there's so few MLS fans in this country that it's just, it, it's not a, it's not a good, there's not gonna be a PR hit that's going to really affect them. Um, I mean, I know there was, you know, internally discussions with supporter groups about what we would want to do if there's, if there's actually a lockout and we were, the SGs were sort of hand tied because it's like, well, we can't really do a boycott unless we're going to, we were willing to like cancel our season tickets and who knows if we're actually gonna be able to go see games this year. Like, even if they do, you know, so like it, literally even, even the supporters who were probably, and especially the, the folks in the ISC, the independent supporters council who are the most adamant, the most like pro, and these are the hardcore of hardcore fans in MLS and are a pretty significant group of people. Even they were like, well, there's not much we can do other than like some shit on social media <laughs> to like try and pressure the owners to not be complete dickheads. That was like, that's where everybody's hands were tied. And that was like the most, I think that's the most frustrating part of this is that just the the owners ex- used a once in a generation, once in a several generation pandemic to really just fuck over a lot of people. And that is like the most frustrating thing to me. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. Um, it's a it's a really, really shitty situation. Honestly, you know what would be fascinating to me? If the players strike in 22. You play this season, you get your money. Owners aren't going to be making a ton. If you believe them, they lost about a billion dollars last year. That number seems a little dodgy to me, but whatever. <laughs> right. So everything, okay. everything gets back to normal. The players then don't have to deal with a PR hit, the additional PR hit. And basically say, no, we're going to walk back to the old CBA. That would be fascinating to me. I don't think it's going to happen, but then it would take that level of like when all the dust is settled, when the playing field is a little clearer, now we're going to play some games. Right. And the players could invoke the force majeure after the season's over in December and renegotiate the contract. They would need to, you know, identify why they're invoking it. I'm sure that lawyers can figure stuff out. Um, but then that would be the, that would be the play. If you, if you are, if you're up for it, I don't, again, I'm with you. I don't think it's actually going to happen, but you never know. All right. Um, anything else on the CBA stuff? Any last parting words? I, hopefully we, we don't ever have to talk about CBA stuff ever again in the life of this podcast. If this podcast is still going by the next time there's a CBA in 2027. God help us all. <laughs> but um <laughs> At least if it's being hosted by the three of us, uh, God help us. But uh, <laughs> any any last last CBA words from either of you guys, other than fuck fuck MLS owners? I was deeply conflicted about this. Um, you know, I'm aggressively pro pro player. I am disappointed that they were forced to to take what they took. Although, again, I think it's entirely defensible. But what made me conflicted is I'm really glad there's a CBA. I'm really glad there's a season. Um, and that's that's completely selfish, and I understand that. Right. But like, when you think about sort of the the last few months of the pandemic, hopefully getting vaccinated in March, if you believe Scott Gottlieb, that seems optimistic. No. Well, I, <laughs> right. well, I mean, Pfizer just announced whatever. We don't, this is not a public health podcast. Let's get uh, we'll get your epidemiologist buddy back on if you want to discuss that. So yes, yeah, Zach and I can riff on on vaccine production schedules, right. but like. 
whether it's end of March, April, May, you know, you're hoping to get life back to usual. Uh, on the aforementioned 55-1 interview with Bill McGuire, he sounded cautiously optimistic about players and or <laughs> players in the stands. Hopefully not. <laughs> One Eric Cantona is enough. Fans in the stands. Like having that to look forward to is actually pretty meaningful to me. So I'm really happy that we're not also having to deal with a uh, a lockout. I'm I'm really glad this season's going to happen. Right. Exactly. So. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, some Minneapolis City stuff. So I don't know if you guys were paying attention, uh, but Minneapolis City, as they are wont to do, just dropped the the most amazing of kits. Uh, over the weekend, the golden birthday kits, a black and gold uh, wing kit and a white and gold wing kit. I picked up the black and gold one because I'm a sucker for amazing kits and, and Minneapolis City does a really good job with them. Do you guys do you guys get a chance to check out the you guys see them or? They're I, beautiful. Uh, yeah, they are beautiful. I copped uh, a white one for myself and a white one for my wife. Nice. MJ? I'm not a kit person. Um, That's right. Yeah. You're, um so you like nice things well no it's it's a uh it's a trade-off with my budget so um right now with my budget uh my disposable income goes to two places and that is uh broomball related things and soccer related things and when that's all said and done i have time for some scarves and some t-shirts and occasionally you know a previous year's kit on sale or something like that but yeah new kits launched uh anything over $50 is just not in my, my budget. So. Yeah. They're very nicely priced at $69, which is again, very, very nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. They're unfortunately only available this weekend. I would imagine that if, you know, that they might do them again. Uh, city tends to have a, a, a great ability to find, you know, ways to get these relaunched or whatever for brief periods of time. If you get a chance to cop one, they they're And if you haven't seen, go to the Minneapolis cities, uh, Twitter page there. They were just absolutely, absolutely freaking great. I got the, I got a long sleeve black one because I'm just, I don't have too many long sleeve jerseys. Um, the main one I have is a, he, who, he, he, who should not be named Minnesota United Jersey. So I don't really want to wear that out ever. <laughs> so I needed a new nice long sleeve uh, black kit. I thought about the white one, but I, I just, I'm, I spill shit on myself at soccer matches. And so white, kits don't really jive well with like spilling ketchup or mustard on yourself. So um, that's why I went with the black one, but they're, they're, they're fucking great. If you can find one, find one. So, and then the other sort of, it's slightly Minnesota United news, slightly Minneapolis city news, slightly Ford Madison news, because who the fuck knows uh, the U S open cup announced that they are <laughs> going to try and play the open cup here in 2021 with a revised format uh, that has and Dan we we were discussing this a little bit um on a, a slack that we're on but basically not every team that has qualified for the open cup vis-a-vis the you know 2019 season that should have been playing in the 2020 open cup uh for example Minneapolis City um their their format is they're they're trying to basically get this tournament done in about a month and a half basically uh, from May 4th to the end of June. Uh, the first round would happen May 4th or 5th. Uh, four amateur teams from the open division. So that's USL League 2, NPSL, which is Minneapolis City's division, and local qualifying tournaments. 
Uh, four teams from USL League One and NISA, two from each, uh, which is that's the league that the uh, Fort Madison is in. And then eight teams from the USL Championship, which is the league below MLS. Those uh, teams, you know, the winners of those games, the eight winners would then play teams from MLS, eight teams from MLS. Last time I checked, there was more than eight teams in the United States in MLS, uh, followed by quarterfinals. Uh, semifinals and then a final turn a final uh what do you guys think about this crazy reduced u.s open cup tournament i i have some thoughts i just wanted i want you guys to get in front because i'm i could just i can lay out for about 15 minutes on this if you guys want me to so this is this is absolutely horseshit in going against the tradition and the whole point of the u.s open cup which is to invite all teams from all levels of your pyramid into one ginormous tournament. Now, I understand due to COVID and other things that there are, we have restrictions and there are things that we need to consider outside of soccer. But if you're going to have an open cup and you promise these lower league teams that qualified in 2019, that even though there wasn't a 2020, you guys will still qualify for the next one in 2021. And now you're going to take it away? That's horseshit. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I mean, this is U.S. soccer just, like, the most capricious decision they've ever made, this is a really high bar, was, uh, <laughs> was Atlanta United making it into the uh, – Right, the Concacaf <laughs> Champions League, having formerly been a uh, a, a, a whatever participant or whatever bullshit, and somehow in the in the, <laughs> the span of like three months, they managed to surpass that with an even more capricious decision. So full marks to the U.S. Soccer Federation for just really putting a good marker out there and, and bettering themselves and becoming absolutely almost as inscrutable as european refereeing decisions um my my sincere and ardent hope is that in fact all mls teams will be included in this tournament but uh the league is reducing down to eight super teams so it's uh it's like minnesota united and sports are going to combine for a best 11 and uh seattle and portland combine for a best 11 the, L- the la teams combine for just to make the fans so conflicted chicago columbus get together for a yeah that's really unkind to columbus they deserve better than that right uh, there will be no Chicago players. It'll just be a Columbus team, but like we <laughs> they can say Chicago is, is part of the team too. So Frank, Frankie Cabo can sit on the bench. So, you know, whatever. Um, no, this just, it makes, it makes no sense. I don't like, I appreciate they're in a really tough spot trying to figure out a tournament that will be played April going forward into the final in what, August, something like well, that. Well, May, May 4th or 5th, basically. So their, their whole thing here is basically their, uh, there's a quote from this is a, an si.com uh, piece. Um, Brian Strauss, I believe, wrote it. If on April, this is from the um, uh, from the U.S. Soccer. If on April 19th the conditions to play are still not in place, we will concede to Mother Nature and begin planning for 2022. I think my my theory here is that, and this is my sort of hot take, is that they they don't want to play this tournament in 2020 21. 
like they're literally just trying to like figure out a way just to, to push this to 2022 when they can get back to the, the normal amount of teams. Cause you know, I don't think th- this tournament doesn't make any money for anybody. I think this is a huge fucking money loser. Um, I think they make a little bit of money from like TV stuff, but that's, you know, I think it's very, very minimal. All the, the money that comes into this tournament is, is raised by the teams with fans in the stands and there's not going to be any fans in the stands, especially not in May. I mean, not even by the, not even by the end of June. I don't think you, you maybe will have, if the tournament, if the final was held in fucking Texas with like FC Dallas or something, you maybe would have a full stand because Texas is fucking insane or, or Miami, if inner Miami made a run or something, maybe you get full uh, or Houston, you get full, uh, a full stadium, but it's not going to, you, you maybe will get 25% capacity and they definitely like this whole, this whole tournament, the US Open Cup should be hosted at the lower at the lower division team until like the semifinals, basically. Like so, this you know MLS teams should be tra- traveling to USL Championship and League One uh, venues to play the to play these games as much as possible because you know that's those teams can make money there and that's how they can like fund their 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 team for a year or two or three, honestly. Um, and they're just not gonna be able to do that this year. With the with you know the pandemic still going and still raging, in spite of vaccines and some crazy fucking March, you know vaccine goal thing that we have that it's not actually going to happen. Uh, I think there's this. So my whole theory is that they just set this up to be like April nineteenth. They can just go ahead and say, oh, you know, it's not going to work out. We're just going to cancel it again this year. Uh, they waited to August to cancel the twenty twenty Open Cup. By the way, guys, just FYI. <laughs> Um, but they set up a, a, it's like, it's kind of like a semi deadline of April 19th. Cause I'm like, how in the fuck do you actually, cause there's not even, not even all the USL league one NISA or USL championship teams make it into the tournament. Like, like how are they going to pick what fucking teams make it to this, this, you know, great tournament that the U S soccer federation has, you know, always hyped as the second longest running up until last year, the second longest running tournament, like soccer tournament, football tournament in the world was the U S open cup. And how are they gonna say, well, we're just picking eight teams this year. And it's going to be, it's going to be the New York teams, Atlanta, you know, the LA team, Seattle, Portland, uh, you know, like they're, they're going to pick the teams on the coast, maybe sporting Kansas city, maybe. So they have a team in the, in the Midwest. Like it's just, there's no way that Minnesota United, if they go through this thing ends up playing in this fucking tournament. So that's, I think that's where my frustration is. It's not that they're trying to trim it down because that's perhaps understandable, but like, I have no faith that this is going to be anything but a, Hey, we picked the, the teams that we think are going to be interesting or worse. The, the teams that the States have the loosest regulations on. Right. I would not remotely be surprised to see Orlando City and Inter Miami and like the what is it the route the Rowdies still exist. Yeah. So the Rowdies get one of the and, USL and it, spots in Atlanta. Atlanta. And like you and have like then you have like a, a pot of four teams right there that are all like relative you know relatively close that all have like you know no restrictions or whatever. And then you could do the you could do like the the New York Revolution, you know, you say okay, we're going to we're going to eat it on the the teams up up in the northeast. But we want those we want those teams playing in a potential Concacaf Champions League in in 2022, right? So you're like, whatever, we'll eat that. But then you have teams out west, or uh, it's just yeah, it just seems rife with 
corruption, which is, you know, most of soccer, we, you know, got to just fully admit that it's most of soccer is rife with corruption. So. Yeah, but it's usually a little less naked than this. Now, when it comes the US to US soccer SSF, Federation has, has never done this tournament justice. And so I have, as Dan alluded to earlier, I have very, a, a very low bar for expectations. And this like just sinks it that much more below that bar. Well, let's uh, maybe we'll be looking forward to a U.S. Open Cup uh, tournament. I, I my other sort of crazy theory is that since we'll be playing in the League One Cup or the not the League <laughs> One Cup, the 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 League the League's Cup, Cup, the League's Cup with the MLS with the the Liga MX team, that'll be like the reason why or. And or U.S. Soccer Federation will find some money to uh, to shove to Chicago and Minnesota saying, here's a couple million dollars. You just just say you don't want to play in the tournament and we'll give it to the eight teams that we want to actually have in this tournament. So I'm not I'm not I'm sure USSF is above bribery. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that they are above bribery. So, you know, that actually feeds reasonably nicely into the question that I was going to ask and then completely forgot to put in the document. So, hey, surprise. Uh We've talked quite a bit about the need for squad depth because of, the, of the, all of the uh, tournaments that will be played and that Minnesota United can participate in. Do you guys want Minnesota United to be one of the eight teams? If they came to the club and said, all right, so our, our inclination for the eight is basically all of the quarterfinalists in the, uh, the MLS playoffs. You guys are one. You can decline your spot, but you get, you know, because you won, you get the first choice over Kansas City, for example. Should Minnesota United say yes to that? Fucking A, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Trophies, man. I'm of the same same mind. I think they should, but there's a decent argument to be made for with all of the the players moving in and out and all of the games that need to be played saying, hey, we're going to pass on this one. We want to be in next year when it's an actual real tournament and not a greatest hits edition. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll pass this year. I understand that. The thing with this tournament is that they're coming into the round of 16. Uh, so they only need to win four games uh, to, to win a trophy and to make it to the CONCACAF Champions League in, in 2022. And this team is actually, you know, whatever all the shit we gave Adrian, we give Adrian Heath the guy's actually a pretty good like one-off coach, right? He's done pretty well recently in one-off tournaments. Um, the Open Cup, two you know, two years ago. The Final. yeah, the uh, I mean, you know, shit the bed in the in the playoffs last you know two years ago. Um, but then in the MLS's back tournament, made it to the semifinals, made semifinals of the most recent MLS uh, tournament. So I don't know. I like our chances in a, like sort of one-off one-off games and these are all one-off games. So yeah, I, I, I would say we, we go for it, but that's just me. And, and, you know, if, if they can get a couple million dollars from the soccer federation, who the, who the fuck knows what they would do. So, all right. Uh, let's take one more break. And then when we come back, we will discuss, there's a lot of world news that happens. Uh, we have uh world club cub world cup, uh, CONCACAF Champions League revisions for 2023 uh, and some Women's Soccer League over in uh, in England. So when we come back, we'll talk about all that good stuff. So yeah. we're back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want you to be that type of dude. 
and we're back and talk a little bit about some world soccer. The Club World Cup is, has been happening. Uh, started last week, and uh, f- the final is on Thursday. Uh, the final and the third place matches. Uh, MJ, um, let us know how your beloved Ulsan Hyundai did. <laughs> uh, Ulsan Hyundai uh, did not do well. Their their number ten, whose name I forget, he's about 27, 28 years old as well. Um, scored a goal off a, off a deflection, but just amazing passing that you expect from. Ulsan Hyundai in in the attacking third, they got a goal, but and that made it one one. But the the winning goal was this amazing chip from uh, Al Duhail um, from the Qatari host team. They they were running at the back four, and the back four almost stood like a wall. They were in line with each other, playing the offside trap, and the striker for Aldu Halil times his run just perfectly. And I cannot believe just the perfect timing and perfect verticality of this chip. It was not a looping, like curving drop. This went straight up over the wall and straight down on a very short distance uh, lengthwise and hit this, this guy perfectly in stride. If you want to watch a great highlight, actually don't watch the Palmeiras Tigres highlight. Don't watch, you know, Lewandowski scoring twice in the Bayern Munchen. Like, watch the Ulsan Hyundai Aldo Hulu in the in the fifth game match, fifth place game match, because that highlight of that little chip pass was so perfect. Um, That's great. That that was that was the fifth place game. So um, Aldo Hulu finished in fifth, and uh, Ulsan Hyundai and sorry, yeah, and Ulsan Hyundai in sixth. So which since uh, the New Zealand team dropped out due to COVID. You know, yep, they get last place, and also fucking New Zealand. Yeah, the, the, the also they deserve to be there. They did not play well, but the big upset: Palmeiras from Brazil and Tigres from Mexico. Uh, Tigres had four really, really good chances in the run of play. Three of them from, not surprisingly, from the French striker uh, Gignac. Um, none of them connected. But they did get a penalty, and Gignac scores on the penalty, yep. and Tigres beat upset Palmeiras 1-0. They are the first CONCACAF team to head to the Club World Cup Finals. Monterrey couldn't do it. Toluca couldn't do it. Uh, Club America, Cruz Azul, none of the, the teams. Uh, plenty of, of teams from Mexico or from CONCACAF have won third place. None of them have made it to the final in the last two. So congrats to Tigres on being the first uh, CONCACAF team to make the Club World Cup final. Yep. And the other semifinal, not too surprising, uh, Al-Ali from uh, Egypt uh, against uh, Bayern Munich and some guy named uh, Lewandowski. Uh, Lebowski. Big, big Lebowski. Lewandowski. Yeah, Robert Lebowski scored two goals for Bayern Munich. I watched, Actually, I watched this game today. I tweeted out because they scored. Uh, Lebowski scored in like the 18th minute. Yeah. I think I tweeted out um, Ali kept it a uh, clean sheet for 17 minutes. Therefore they qualify for the championship against Tigris because <laughs> how the, you know, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty, I know I watched again, this game was, it was pretty, you know, the scoreline flattered Ali because Byron hit the post a couple times and it was just, you know, they were dominating and uh, I'm just say this. they were really playing as, as well as they, as Bayern Munich can play. So I think Tigris has a shot uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was nice to see someone like Alfonso Davies almost get a goal. 
you know, yeah. like he's dribbling around two players in the 18 year box and, you know, all, almost gets one go Canada. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think T race has a shot too. Um, it'll definitely be the, the, the most entertaining match of, of, of the tournament. Yeah. So the final is on Thursday at, I believe noon central time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Third place game is at nine central 9 time, I think, something like that. Yeah, so it's on uh, uh, Fox Sports Two, I believe the games are. At least the, the most most of the games have been. So it's either on FS One or FS Two. E Fox Deportes or Fox Deportes, also. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so both, both of those. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll throw them on because what the fuck else am I gonna do? Like, pay attention to my kid. Screw that. I'm gonna watch soccer. So, uh, Dan, do you have any? Did you watch any? Have you watched any of the Club World Cup or? I haven't. I fully intended to watch uh, some of the matches today, and then just got super bogged down. So, um, no. But you know, it's great to see Tigres putting up a a good run. I mean they they closed out the Concacaf Champions League really well. Um, more power to them. I I think they can give Bayern a game. If nothing else, I'm really excited for a bunch of Europeans to remember on Jinyak. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Who was this like great, you know, up and coming French star? And then when he chose like, the horrors, chose to go play in Mexico, they just sort of denounced him like he had, you know, offended them. And now all right. of a sudden, look, he's back and he's leading a very good team because it turns out he never stopped being really good. You just stopped caring. Right, right, exactly. So. All right, moving along. Uh, so, Jizz Hornkamp jersey update. I still don't have a Jizz Hornkamp jersey, guys. This is really frustrating to me. Uh, the fact that I can get, you know, we can get so many jerseys in in this country uh, and even around the world. I, I'm just, I'm trying to like, I'm really just going to put this out into the world. If you are someone or know someone in the Netherlands who can get me a Jizz jersey, uh, please, please, for the love of God, reach out to me. I'm just trying to like you know, like manifest this as a thing in my life. I just really want an SC Den Bosch jersey with jizz on the back of it. Um, please, I'm just trying to like, yeah, you know, just trying to make make it happen, uh, you know, metaphysically or whatever. So it is a shame that uh, the best part of last week's podcast got cut off because we didn't record it, which was David <laughs> trying to negotiate or navigate the uh, FC Den Bosch website without switching it into English. I know so he was... He I know very Justin, nearly, very nearly bought a pillow instead of a jersey. Yes, which would have been perfect. It would have been a jizz pillow. Like you know, that was it. Would have been it. Would have been absolutely perfect. Uh, although you know, I don't nut into pillows. I've had you know, I'm having two kids. I've had sex twice, guys. I'm like I'm two for two. So you know how it is. So uh, <laughs> I just I know enough German to get me in trouble, like with Dutch, because like there's it's it's kind of similar. There's there's lots of similarities there. Anyways, I'm glad I decided not to buy the jizz pillow. Honestly, quite frankly, it would have been it would have been embarrassing for you, no matter what you said. I don't know. I it would have been embarrassing. I would have been embarrassed. Like if my wife had seen it, she would have been embarrassed for me, and would have been embarrassed by me because she listens to this podcast. She don't. She never would have told anybody. Probably, I don't think, because uh, she would she she would have been, been embarrassed for me. So. But yeah, I definitely, I, I just want that jersey. I don't know how to get that jersey. I need to make that happen. So someone knows how to like get that, make that happen. Please, please let me know. Uh, all right, we got a couple more things here and then we'll wrap up real quick. Uh, the <laughs> Right after we released the podcast last week, they there was another CONCACAF Champions League revision to the how the, the tournament is going to happen. I think this is the third 
in about seven, six years, four, six years, five years. Um, basically, the big things for that will affect MLS teams and, and Minnesota United. Twenty North American teams uh, will be starting off in qualification. That includes the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So they haven't identified how they're going to allocate those teams. I'm guessing, you know, there'll be so the U.S. Open Cup spots, you know, league standing spots. Uh, there will probably be some um, the, the leagues, the leagues cup thing that Minnesota is going to be participating in with uh, League MX. will probably have a spot uh, attached to it as well. But basically, how it's going to work is the 20 North American teams will play in uh, four groups of uh, five, with the top two teams advancing to the knockout round, and then there'll be uh, I think every other team will play in a sort of a one off or, or a, a playoff to get into the uh, knockout round. Basically, they're increasing the number of games in this tournament from like 30 to like 140. Um, there's the North American division, uh, the um, Central America division, and then a Caribbean division. And the, the number of teams who are getting in from each uh, area of CONCACAF is slightly different with you know the bulk of teams. So this is actually going to increase the number of teams from the North American part uh, to 11 teams of the 16 teams in the in the quarterfinal knockout round which again is going to be beneficial to both MLS and uh, league MX. So um, do you guys have any thoughts on this new format for CONCACAF champions league start? This is going to start in again in 20, 2023, 2024. So not for a couple of years, but um, it's an interesting, interesting format. I think expansion is good. One of the things that CONCACAF will see out of expansion is money. So they like it. Because it's it's more games for them, and that means more money from sponsors and tickets and yeah, there are a lot. There'll be a lot more uh, U.S. versus Mexico matchups, right? So, which if you are a fan of a of a you know U.S. team going down to uh, Mexico in February, sounds really fucking great when we can you know fly again. So, also you know the the I don't know if Central America, America how that works, but like. There's some great rivalries there between the Honduran and the uh, Costa Rican clubs. Right. Yeah. Um, Guatemala and El Salvador have a couple of good ones too, but um, I mainly think of Honduras and, and Costa Rica as having some really, really good clubs. Panama too. Um, I think for the Caribbean branch of things, it's all about not that they will ever be up the up to speed, but just you don't get better if you don't play more games. You know. And and no matter what your your population is of your small island or whatever like that, like just opportunities to play is a big part. Right. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Um, honestly, I I love this. I really really do. Uh, I love it for two key reasons. One is it's going to expose more Americans to clubs that they otherwise wouldn't pay that much attention to. Um, you know, we are as plugged in of soccer fans as there are in this country. I mean, let's let's be honest. We're what top one half of one percent in terms of knowing what's going on in Western Hemisphere soccer. Like, it's not <laughs> in the U.S. I should clarify that. So, like, when we're <laughs> like when we're like there are good Honduran clubs, we just don't know a lot about them. Like, that's pretty much a statement that these clubs aren't well known in the U.S. Uh, so for people like us, it gives us exposure, and that's great. Uh, I do think it's going to raise the level of CONCACAF as a whole. I, I agree with MJ's point there. 
But the reason I'm really excited about this is entirely selfish, which is there's just going to be more soccer on TV. <laughs> and that's great. Like, I am more than happy to, in January or February, sit down on a Tuesday night and watch Olympia versus whoever. Caprisa. Uh, yeah, that would actually be a great game. Like, I would yeah. gladly sit down and, and watch that. But, like, I, you know, hey, T-Grace is, is going to play Pumas, but they're going to play, you know, kind of their U23 sides because they're just going to play in the league and they don't want to play senior sides back-to-back. I'll watch that. I'll watch yeah. Forge FC play, uh, like, Toronto's BT because Toronto isn't in full stride yet. I'll watch that too. So or forge against Minnesota United because there's it's not going to be just one Canadian team is going to be getting into this thing. It's going to be several Canadian teams. Um, I mean, I think obviously there'll be it'll be, you know, I think they're gonna try and gear towards the MLS teams, but it also encourages the Canadian League to um the Canadian Premier League to build up and, and get better and bring in better players as well, right? So I think it's important. And it's a massive exposure thing. So one thing that uh, came up in, in some conversations off pod last week, over the course of last week, was what this transfer window means for MLS's growth. And I don't want to rehash all of that because it's not really what we're talking about. But the the TLDR of the conversations was, look, if you're giving major club scouts a real reason to stick around the country and watch for great players, they're going to do that. They're going to check out when Dallas plays uh, – you know, Houston, who historically has had a great academy, but they're also going to be in town when Minnesota United rolls into town. And maybe that gives not this Chase Gasper, but the next Chase Gasper really the chance to to go play in Europe. And I think this type of Champions League will do the same thing. So, you know, hey, oh, we want to go see uh, Brian Rodriguez. Ah, shit, Brian Rodriguez already got transferred. Whatever. <laughs> the next great thing that LAFC unearthed. We want to see him. And now all of a sudden we're getting exposed to this great player from Canada or a, a USL team. Hell, like weird shit can happen when you have the games to make it happen. So I, from an exposure standpoint, I'm just hugely for this, even admitting that it's predominantly selfish. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And, you know, more teams in it gives us, you know, Minnesota much more opportunity to, to be a part of it. And again, I, you know, would love to fly down to Mexico in February in 2023 and, you know, just enjoy it. I, my in-laws will be retired and they love Mexico and I don't know, it should be fun. Um, all right. So lastly, but certainly not least, let's talk uh, WSL. Uh, we occasionally bring it up here on the Dave's and podcast. Uh, both uh, Dan and MJ have teams in WSL. Fortunately, my team is not in the WSL right now. And I don't think they're going to make it and get promoted uh, this year. So MJ, take it away uh, with WSL results. For anyone who thinks that this is an opportunity for me to talk about Everton more, uh, while they started the True. WSL un- undefeated, they are they are not in the in the championship picture in this league anymore. Uh, what you do have is the top four teams playing each other a lot in the in these next few weeks, and so that's why I wanted to highlight this. Manchester United, Chelsea, and Arsenal, three of the top four teams in the WSL, all played at home, and they all lost this this Sunday. Um, if you have a chance to watch Danielle Carter's uh, goal off of, I forget who crossed it to her, uh, but 
that was the second reading goal or uh, reading goal and reading upset um, Manchester United. Two nothing. Chelsea lost to Brighton and Hove Albion, which is on the men's side become a square word for all of our clubs. Um, but Chelsea loses one to two to Brighton, and Arsenal, who did not. This isn't really an upset, but they played at home versus Man City and lost uh, two to one. Alan White, former Everton striker, getting both assists in that game. Uh, Dan, did you see the Arsenal versus Man City game? Uh, I watched highlights, but I didn't watch it live. Yeah, okay. What What did you think? Uh, the uh, Arsenal has looked great at points this season, but they have not been fully healthy. They've just consistently been missing a piece or two, and I feel like that's played into them not finishing games strongly. Probably a dollar for every game Arsenal was in the points, either level or ahead, at like minute 80, and then dropped points from there. I'd be a reasonably wealthy man, by which I mean I think I'd have like six dollars, but whatever. Um, so and and that happened again. I mean, Man City, Man City is my pick to to win it all this year. They're just a very comprehensive squad. <laughs> I know I'm not happy about it, but um, they're just a, they're a very comprehensive squad. They're extremely well drilled, and they really do play until the 96th or whenever the game ends. And Arsenal isn't doing that this year. So it was incredibly frustrating to see that play out again. Uh, City scored the first goal. Arsenal uh, scored a very, very solid equalizer. And I really thought, hey, like this is a pretty solid home draw. And then I think it was like the 86th that uh, Man City came down and scored again. So full credit to them. But this used to be Arsenal's league that they just sort of toyed with everyone else and then occasionally had like one tough game against Chelsea. And boy, is that not the case anymore. It's really fun to see the parody of this league start to increase. And you're getting these upsets like a Reading over Manchester United, uh, like a Brighton over Chelsea. That's really fun to watch. This week, the two games I'm going to highlight, there are a bunch of games on Wednesday in the WSL, but the one I want to highlight is there's a Chelsea versus Arsenal, London Derby. Uh, that's Wednesday at 1 p.m., Friday at 1 p.m., the Manchester Derby between Manchester City and Manchester United. Those games are going to be entertaining. They will be uh, games that score goals. Um, Sam Kirst scored for Chelsea within five minutes um, against Brighton. And then Chelsea just were not prepared for the onslaught that came later. And, and so it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea can use that to manufacture better defense against Arsenal or if Arsenal can kind of take advantage of that film and, and see where Chelsea broke down. Um, so those games are, are big this week. The current table, uh, Chelsea at 32 points, Manchester United at 32, Man City at 30 points, Arsenal down at 23 points now, and Everton and Reading tied at 18 points. Two questions. The first one's easy. Question one, who makes the Women's UEFA Champions League, which is the top three spots out of England this, this year? And the hard question, number two, who wins the WSL? I mean, I've already given my pick for uh, for Man City winning it. Um, I think the top three stay the same. One sort of X factor here is that Arsenal have two games in hand on Manchester United and a game in hand 
over Chelsea and Man City. So there's a little bit of a chance to make up some points, but I don't, I just don't trust this squad to find, find it within them to make the push that they need to push. I think they'll, they'll beat up on Tottenham. They'll beat up on Reading. They'll beat up on Brighton. Like I don't worry about those results, but at some point you've got to beat one of the teams ahead of you. And they just haven't been able to do that this season. So I think Chelsea, Man U and Man City go to the champions league, but Man City does so as actual champions. Um, I would, I would just double that uh, other than adding that. I think that, I think the legal end with uh, Manchester United, City one, Chelsea two, and Man U three, and uh, and so yeah, man, I'll say Man City wins the league. David, do you have a take? No. <clears throat> Sounds good. I mean, I don't know. Uh, how about this? Here, I got a take. Um, fuck your Chelsea. Arsenal finishes third. <laughs> man City, Man U, Arsenal. Awesome. Take that, Dan. It. <laughs> Woo! I'm glad somebody believes in this squad because it sure is shooting at me. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, 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 I try to follow the the women's championship with Liverpool. Uh, I, I do follow them on Twitter and watch the highlights of the games. They've just they've been kind of shit recently. So you, you, uh, you want to talk about the the WSL championship? They're not. Or? Yeah, no, Leicester and is it Leicester and uh, Durham are the teams yeah? Are Leicester tied? and Durham tied at 32 yeah, points. Uh, uh, yeah, United in third and and at. 28 points and 10 points off the lead uh is is, is a squad called liverpool yeah there's 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 no way they're getting they, they looked really good to start the season uh and then they've just kind of fall fall like fallen off so there's no way liverpool is getting promoted this year which is frustrating they um i don't know if you guys noticed or you saw this but like at the beginning of the year in, in january they parted ways with their coach with their manager who had been like a, a mutual parting of ways which is weird and no one quite knows why that happened and Liverpool put out some really weird statements. The, the team has not invested properly into their women's team. Liverpool's women's team should be uh, a really good team. It should be in the uh, WSL every year and competing for those European spots. Quite frankly, uh, they have a history of, you know, doing well in the WSL and um, just it's, it's frustrating as a, as a fan of the, of the team generally that they're the, they really just, just totally like, bailed on their women's team for several years and it, it's and it's shown and now they have a lot of work to do to, to make that uh to fix that so hopefully they do it but um i'm not holding my breath honestly so one thing that'll be really interesting to see particularly with this season then kind of over the course of the next season is we've seen a number of americans go over to play um and that was covid related it was uh, nwsl idiosyncrasies related but I think one of the lessons that we've seen from both Manchester clubs over the last two or three seasons is it does not take that much time to spin up a really successful women's team because the level of investment required just isn't quite as high as on the men's side. Right. So if Liverpool decide, hey, this is the season, like we're going to start taking this seriously, they can become a real contender, uh, particularly if we then see the American women willing to go over and play in England. Well, they had some of those best, some of the best women in the, in the world on their team. And then they let them go for like, for peanuts, right? Like two other, two other teams uh, in, uh, in the WSL one, when, when they were still in the, when they're still in the, the WSL. So Sounds they like could a, easily, a problem. yeah. Yeah. With their women's squad. Right. So there's, they, 
yeah, if they, if Fenway Sports Group um, spent, they could basically whatever the, you know, what Sadio Mane's salary, they could basically like pay for like the best fucking team in the world if they really wanted to. Like that's, and that's the, that's, that's the same thing with every women's team is that if you just like, you could spend, you know, you know, 600, $700,000 and have the best team in the world, um, you know, or close, pretty damn close to a really, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the world. So it's a, it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating thing, um, especially considering how, you know, how good some of the women's players are and how fun and exciting they are to watch. Like the fact that they're not getting what, you know, what they're worth is another frustrating thing. So. Most of the key matches you can watch for free in the U.S. from this site yeah. called a- ATA Football or Ada Ad- Football, and so check out ATA Football. Uh, they don't broadcast or stream every WSL match, but all the major important ones they do, and uh, you know it's just easy to, to pull up on your computer and watch. Um, WSL like NBCSN has some WSL matches. Oh as well. God, I forgot about this rant. Yeah, which is what's 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 let's talk about NBCSN next week, guys. I we have we're we're getting close to the end. I, we're almost at two yeah. hours. And, no, but you know what they did, right? They 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 put on the, just the first half of Arsenal versus Man City. Just the first half. Yeah, yeah, because they had this this window that was open, so they they put that on, and then they 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 went from that to the Premier League uh, game, which was Wolves versus. Lester, yeah, and that ended right. in a nil-nil draw. So, like somewhere, like within ten minutes of them putting Wolves Lester on, you had these tweets coming out. And it's like, how do I watch the rest of the Arsenal Man City women's game? That was way more exciting in in twenty minutes than this game has been in, in two halves, or you know, than the Wolves Lester game. But yeah, uh, uh, huge. Like, if you're gonna help promote women's football, show a full game, goddamn. Yeah. The, the, and to be fair, the, the games on NBC are on delay. So it's not like they're, they're not doing a, a, a huge service to women's football there. It's just sort of like a, Hey, there's a thing that we can fill our schedule with, which, you know, spoiler alert, NBC is not going to have to fill their schedule with next year. So um, we can talk a little bit more about that and what that means for, uh, I actually, cause I totally forgot about that. I actually have some thoughts on NBCSN. So we'll save that for the, the podcast next week. Cause we have a few weeks to, to fill before, we get back into MLS proper stuff. So, um, and and I'll save my, I'll actually save my, my, the, the question that we have for, for that as well. So guys, thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Um, yeah, we spent almost two hours talking about stuff when we, like when I was putting together the agenda this morning, I was like, Oh, I guess we can talk about the CONCACAF revised, you know, champions league thing. And I was like, Oh, also all the CBA stuff and all this other stuff that popped up. So, Good job, guys. We we spent a good solid 90 minutes talking about soccer stuff. So rate review the podcast wherever you get the podcast, Daves I know.com, patreon.com slash Daves I know. Be on the lookout again for the revised beer stuff. Uh looking forward to po- promoting that and getting that out there very soon. Uh at T D I K M N on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller, Dan's at D Wade, MJ is at MJ Matsui. We have been the Daves, you know. This is the Daves. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, cunt. Yeah.
Uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to? Hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, yo, I can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.